Hey everybody, it's Greg. First of all, thank you listeners, all of you who are listening. I appreciate you. Even though I can't see you, I know you're out there because I see the numbers. It says people are listening when I go to the back end of my podcast software. And I appreciate those of you who have taken the time to write a review. Thank you so much. Fabulous. And if anybody here is enjoying what you hear, please share. And one more thing, if you have somebody you'd like me to interview or a subject you'd like me to take on, I will find the right expert. Gregory at RebelliousWellnessOver50.com. Send your suggestions there. Okay, my guest, Tracy McGubbin, a decluttering expert, not a Marie Kondo person, not about making you guilty, feel guilty about the stuff you've got, but we talked about the psychology and the emotion, the emotions behind collecting too much stuff, buying too much stuff, especially when it interferes with our life, our finances. And we want, at the end, we talked about hoarding disorder. And you might want to listen in because it's not just about too much stuff in somebody's life, it's about the health consequences. And as we age, it becomes more of a problem. I hope you'll have a listen. And again, if you like what you're hearing, please share. This is the Rebellious Wellness Over 50 podcast for women over 50 who have a lot of living yet to do, who want to enjoy the ride for as long as they can in good health and with a sense of humor, maybe a little wine. I'm Gregory Ann Cox, and I believe it's time to bust the myth that aging equals decline in every area of life. Nonsense. I would say something else, but I'll keep it clean for now. Aging happens, but it doesn't have to ruin your life. You just need to get a little rebellious in your approach. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Rebellious Wellness Over 50. Today, I'm talking with Tracy McCubbin, who is a declutterer expert, decluttering expert. And I have a confession to make here on the ethers. I have never Marie Kondoed. I have not bought the book. I don't know anything about it except she's a phenom decluttering expert. Yours is a different approach. You're coming from it from different angles and more of the psychology of people that might be tend to clutter or keep things. So Tracy, welcome. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. So I want to start with your book, which is called Make Space for Happiness, How to Stop Attracting Clutter and Start Magnetizing the Life You Want, which is an interesting concept, the magnetizing piece, because we know that if a magnet is across from its perfect polar opposite, it will attract. But if there's something in the way, even if that perfect side is there, if there's something in the way, it'll do this, right? Trying to You're trying to put them together and they just keep not getting together. So I guess what you're saying is that clutter in some ways is keeping people from attracting the things they really want in their lives. Exactly. That's such a good description. The way that I always thought of it too, is that we all have these little parts of us that we think are missing, right? I didn't get enough love. I don't have enough self-confidence. I don't have enough self-respect. And so when I was in clients' homes, especially after the pandemic and everyone was shopping like like it was the end of days, you know, it, it was almost like I saw these sort of visions of like, oh, I'm trying to suck this sweater in because it's going to make me feel better. Or I'm going to buy this anti-aging, don't get me started on that term, <laughs> cream, you know, and we were trying to magnetize these things, exactly that. We were trying to pull these things into us to fill those holes and that wasn't working. And so when you figure out what's sort of missing and 
what you're trying to do instead and go, oh, you know what? Self-respect. I'm actually not taking into account this career that I built over all these years or that I was a mother and my kids have left the house and maybe going out and being of service is going to help me. So what I tried to do in the book was show people what they think is missing because I don't think it's really missing inside of us and then how the stuff doesn't fill it. But what are the other things we can do to fill those missing parts of ourselves? You tell an interesting story. Well, a number of them, but one that stuck with me in the book was about a woman who had a storage unit and she asked you to come help uh, get rid of the things in the storage unit. It had been the things that were in her mother's home. So you expected furniture and all these kinds of things. And basically what it was, was boxes and boxes of precious moments. I'm going to call them ornaments, tchotchkes. She had been told they were valuable. And so she kept them thinking she could sell them and she was paying for the storage unit. But tell us the story of what really was going on there. Yes, that was such an interesting job. The storage unit was 10 by 20. It was huge and it was full to the brim. And I think by the time she'd called me, she'd had it for five or six years. So the amount of money that had gone out and she was married to a lovely, still is to a lovely man and they really wanted to start a family. And so this, the money that was going out for these storage units became a real point of contention. I mean, I think I remember correctly, it was like something like two or $300 a month. So it was not insignificant, but because her relationship with her mother was so fraught and turned out that her mother had narcissistic personality disorder and there were all sorts of things, but there was some thing, some wound inside of her that felt like if she could sell these tchotchkes, that's even a nice word for them and make some money back, she would get something back. She would get a little piece of her mother's love. And I think that's where I talk about that very famous Oprah quote where she says, you know, forgiveness is not expecting the past to be any different, but Mm. understanding that you can be different moving forward. And I'm paraphrasing, but you know, no matter what she did, that relationship was going to be the way that it was. And so how does she reconcile? And so what I think when she realized, A, the thing's were not valuable. She had to pay my company to take them away. And the thing that was so kind of beautiful about the full circle is that that love and that acceptance and that family was standing right in front of her, her lovely husband. And so when she could get right with that and let all that go, they could start on a family. And there like literally was this lovely man standing in the middle of the room. And I'm like, there he is. So I think that when people think that the stuff is going to do something different. I have a practical question because many people listening to this um, over 50, over 60 are dealing with parents, remnants, I'm going to call them remnants, homes, stuff in the homes. Some parents do the thing and they get rid of things before they're planning. They don't want to have the kids have the burden. When you talk about these tchotchkes, and I read a story in the New York Times This man said his mother used to send him porcelain frogs or lizards or something because she loved them and she thought he would love them. And then he ended up, do we literally put them in the dumpster? It's hard to do that kind of thing. It really is hard. So one of the things, this is such a great question. One of the things I'm trying to normalize is that having conversations about what things are really worth before someone 
passes. So, you know, where did this come from? Is this really a family heirloom? You know, the family lore around stuff is so, you know, this was brought over by my mother, mother's mother on around the cake, you know, what all the things. So normalizing those conversations. Also, have the internet now, get an appraiser, find out what something is actually worth. The tools are out there to get that information. And instead of watching Antiques Roadshow and thinking that you have the lottery ticket, really get the information. I always say to people, just because something's old doesn't mean it's valuable. Yeah. A lot of things that I come in contact with were mass produced. Mm -hmm. National Geographic's aren't valuable. They're not. Give them to a kid's art class. Give them to a teacher. Fantastic. But you're not going to sell them. So I think people need to do the research. And one of the uh, missions of my company when I help people declutter is that we keep as much out of the landfill as possible. So we donate it. We give it away. I mean, there are amazing, these buy nothing groups now where people, you know, just put up and that like a lot of those tchotchkes that we can't get rid of. We have a couple organizations in LA that do kids art projects. So they'll take that and break it up into tile for mosaic. Mm. So there are ways. And if it's, so yes, short answer, let's not all throw it in the dumpster. You may have to do a little bit of work. I want to make sure that people um, don't get hung up on making sure something goes to the right place. Like that's Mm. its own thing. Like, well, I can't get rid of it until it goes to the right person. What I'm saying is trust when you let go of it, it'll end up where it's supposed to be. One of the best stories that illustrates this, I had a client whose husband had been very sick, would not deal, wouldn't tell her what things were worth, wouldn't tell her. And he had very specific He was in the movie business. It was some very, very specific stuff. And he could have given her the information, like call this guy to get rid of these camera things. And he really didn't do her any favor. So we cleaned out the house, the garage, the storage unit. And one of the last things she had was this painting. And it always makes me laugh because it's true, but it was literally a painting of dogs playing poker. Oh, that painting. painting. She's like, ah. And I was like, well, what about this? And she's like, well, I hate it. I've always hated it. His brother painted it. I hate his brother. (laughs) But it hung in every house we ever had. Like, I feel so bad. And we had this conversation about, you know, you have so many other things that fill you with happiness and fond memories. Like, you hate this thing. Let's let it go. She was like, okay, this is really hard. So we drove to the thrift store to drop it off. And we were pulling it out of the back of her car. And this young man came running up like gleefully. And he's like, is that a painting of dogs playing poker? And we were like, (laughs) yes. And he was like, I'm directing my first play and it's my senior thesis and I need it for a set piece. Oh my goodness. Like, here you go. And he ended up giving her tickets to the play and you know, that's wonderful stuff. So if it's difficult for you, then you know, know that there's probably somebody out there that wants it for free. Yeah, I think of a, there's a local place that helps have an on-campus um, bunch of small apartments for people that are transitioning. They might be homeless, now they're feeling better, and they're going to help them by letting them stay there. And they have a huge garage that you can go and put things in for the people that are then going to get their own home apartment share. 
they need paintings to go on the wall. They need lamps. They need all the ugly chairs. We don't like that aren't exactly pieces of junk, right? But we maybe got right. a new chair and we don't need that many chairs. Exactly. So even selling it is one thing, but like you said, let it find a home. I work with a couple organizations who help young adults who are aging out of the foster care system yeah. into apartments. So they'll call me and say like, oh, we just moved four people into an apartment. And I'm like, I got a whole kitchen. I have a warehouse. So we sort through all the donations. I'm like, I got plates, I got cup mugs and they're good stuff. And it's in good condition. There's that idea of how much time it takes you to actually sell something. And look, if it's too much, bring in a state sale company, but also be realistic about what you're gonna get. And is it worth your time? I had this lady the other day who she was in her 70s. And she was so great. And she had this breakfast room table, and they were remodeling the house and making some changes so that they could age in place. And she was like, Oh, I so hard to get rid of this breakfast room table. I mean, I paid so much money for it. I paid, I think she said $2,500. And I was like, Well, how long have you had it? And she's like, Well, my second kid wasn't born. So that was 72. And I was like, okay. let's Amortize. I do that all the time. You ate every breakfast at this table for 40 plus years. Like you got your money's worth. And understandably, there are also people who are in a position where that $25 that they can sell it for is going to help. Yeah. Great. But be realistic about how much you're actually going to get and the time it's going to take. Because I think a lot of people hang on to that stuff thinking, well, somebody's going to pay me $5,000 mm-hmm. for it. No, a big, big part of my business is helping people relocate their parents, help them clean out houses after somebody's passed away. When I think for those of us, I'm 57. My mom's 80. She's starting to do this every time we go visit. She's like, here, take this, you know, <laughs> drive a car, take this. And but I think it makes her happy to see us take yeah. it and use it now. So I- I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. That's sweet. <laughs> Speaking of the people with parents that are decluttering and stuff, many women in the empty nest situation, new to the empty nest, maybe weren't clutterers, maybe weren't collectors, but they suddenly find themselves with this empty space. And maybe they felt like, well, I could never indulge my collection tendency for glass ornaments or whatever. So they start buying things. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's such a, I'm just seeing it, especially after the pandemic, really, I'm sure you've discussed this on here, but all the studies around longevity say one of the most important components is connectivity, friendships, like my still today, one of my best friends, we've known each other since we were four years old. But week goes by that we haven't texted or called. We're like, everything okay, you know, it's it's this friendship. She knows my family, I know her family, you know, so that as we age is so important. And sometimes when women either retire, so they're not in the workforce in the same way, or their kids are gone, or they sort of start to lose those connections. And what I see them replacing it with is shopping. It's either the online shopping, which is an addiction. I'm sorry, let's yeah. say it what it is. You get a hit of dopamine when you put it in your cart, you get a hit of dopamine when the UPS guy drops it off. But that dopamine doesn't last. So you start buying more and more and more. And then also there's sort of this idea that when you go to a store and you're shopping and the salesperson is helping you, they're paid to be friendly, right? They're Some don't actually get get that though. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) But this idea that you sort of, that you're getting a human interaction. 
So what I say to people is, do you have enough human interactions in your life that aren't transactional? I did a consult just this week with a lovely woman who was retired and her husband had had health issues and COVID was really hard. They couldn't go to church for two years. And she was self-admittedly, she's like, my shopping has gotten, I don't even leave the house and I'm buying new clothes. You know, one of the first things I said was, can you go back to church? Like, can you wear a mask and go back? And she's like, yes. And then she said something about playing Mahjong. And I was like, can you play Mahjong again? Just once a week, once every two weeks. And so I think for women, especially when our role has been taking care of others, when our role has been raising a family or supporting someone's career or taking care of people in the workspace, and all of a sudden you have that empty space, it's just be mindful that you're not filling it with shopping. Now, what? this is a generic question that is probably um, only in specificity you could answer, but what do you do if you're not a collector or clutterer and you live with one, you are married to <laughs> one or sharing a home with one? <laughs> I, uh, this is, I joke all the time. I'm like, marriage counseling is included with my services. <laughs> you know, I, the important thing to remember is that uh, someone is very cluttery. They probably heard it their whole life. So how do you have a conversation without shaming them, right? Like going into it with my way is right and your way is wrong. Yeah. So the conversation I always start with is our home is a tool and is it working for us? Can we find what we need? Just give this example because my partner who we met later in life is messy. He's not cluttery, he's just messy, which feels cluttery to me. And when we were first together, he would lose his car keys all the time, every day, lose them, lose them, lose them. <laughs> I'm like, if you put them in this one bowl, that's the key bowl, we all put our keys in here every day, that's where they are. So I think it's having the conversation of the why of decluttering as opposed to you're wrong, I want it mm -hmm. my way. That like, look, this is, if our kitchen counter isn't covered with 10,000 gadgets, we can cook a healthy meal. And also sometimes in that situation, if it's possible to give the person their own space to be cluttered, <laughs> he has an office that I just don't go in. I just yeah. don't go in it. And he works and creates and is amazing and it's all good. And the door shuts and I don't see it. <laughs> but I think it's coming from that place of not understanding that my way is right and your way is wrong, but maybe as a community, it will work. And this conversation is happening right after the holidays. And since yeah. I got your book a couple of months ago and started reading and seeing you on Instagram, I was getting all your little messages and the people who save birthday cards and Christmas cards. And so I was pulling out all the stuff for Christmas and it was, we were having company, but it wasn't like Christmas card delivery season. It was early, but we wanted people to think we got a lot of cards, just like letting mm -hmm. people in on a little secret. Actually, I just wanted to decorate. We put them around a window. So luckily I had a whole stack of old Christmas cards and I picked out the nicest one, but because you were in my head, I was like, I don't need to keep that one and I don't need to keep, but nonetheless, I took them down now and there are a couple with a picture of the person. I'm going to keep that because they're sweet and I, you know, but again, it's almost like those tchotchkes, like rowing them in the garbage just feels, I did it. I did it yesterday. I did a whole bunch of them. You can be proud of me. But I still have the desire to keep a card when I get a card from a friend because we don't get a lot of mail. What do you say to that? Well, that is interesting because there is something about we don't get a lot of mail anymore. So now they've become sort of much more precious than they were. You know, I, I say like have a 
box. Have one nice, pretty box that you put the really special ones. The ones where someone took a time to write you a note. Mm -hmm. As opposed to the ones where somebody just scribbles a thank you or it's a happy birthday. Yeah, but sometimes it's nice to find those. I had a girlfriend call me recently and she had, I think she told me she had three, maybe four banker's boxes of letters that she had been moving and dragging and in our 50s, I've known her since college. And she was like, you know what? I finally thought, let me go through these because I don't, I don't know if she was keeping them to inspire her to write her memoirs or what. She was like, half of them? I don't even remember who the person was. I don't even remember the event they were talking about. She got it down to, I think, a box and a half of things. She's like, when I'm 90 and sitting on my rocking chair, I will want to reread these. So I think that it's, it's always a sort of a pendulum, right? Of like, keeping everything, letting everything go, hitting that sweet spot of this makes me feel good, but it's not overtaking my life. That's the other thing too. That's the other thing is, do you have a place to store it? That's why I say get a pretty box and Mm -hmm. all your things in it and you know where to get them. Um, You know, and then that opens the door, which I'm sure so many of your listeners, um, when we get into photographs, Oh, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) I have a tub the size like I could sit in it and it's full of photos, many duplicates that I occasionally will grab a handful of and get rid of. And then they're also on my phone. And yeah, that's... I have taken one of my favorite things to do when I'm either sort of waiting at the airport or I'm on a plane is I will just go through my phone and delete photos. When I'm sort of sitting somewhere where it's like I was getting my car washed the other day and it was an hour and I was like, let me just delete. Also, I had to do it because my phone was yelling. storage, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That happens to me too. So there's another aspect of your work that may not lead to cluttering, but I thought it was interesting in that same vein of empty nesters filling their lives with something You said in Los Angeles, where I'm based, we joke that people arrive and immediately rent a house they can't afford, lease a car they could never buy, and put new boobs on their credit card. It's a world of projection. So talk a little bit about how, and does that lead to just, do do people continue? I mean, if you run out of money, I guess you can't keep shopping, but what is that about? You know, I think LA specifically too is a place where people come to reinvent themselves. And so they think that they need all these trappings and they need all the stuff and I've got to drive the right car and I, I, I've got to do all this. And I think it's interesting though, in kind of a post pandemic world where, you know, we're not going out as much as we used to. And all of a sudden you're like, I haven't seen somebody's, when's the last time I was in someone else's car? Like, you know, I think that stuff really starts to lose its oomph. And when I help people clean out after someone has passed, it's so interesting because the stuff actually starts to become a burden, mm. the stuff that they left behind. And what do I do with this? And we don't want this. And then as you're going through a house and friends and neighbors are coming through um, and you're like, oh, it's the relationships. It's the mm. relationships. That's what we should be collecting. Mm. Experiences and the relationships. And look, I'll just say it. The people with more stuff are not happier. Just not. They're the same amount of unhappy, happy, same hard things happen to themselves. Like protecting yourself with all the stuff, it's not going to make you happier. And I will say this because this is your audience. I live in LA. I have a big celebrity clientele. I work with, 
you know, older actresses, models, they're aging. It's aging. They may have different fantastic genes, but they're still aging. And so this idea of anti-aging and it's not like, yes, I love it. A good moisturizer, sunscreen, of course. But this idea that you're going to somehow get ahead of it, you know, that you're going to not participate in that process, you're going to. And I think if you spend so much time focused on the not and the anti that you're missing where you are in the world and the wisdom that you bring. You know, I think that as women, we're just so valued about that. Of course, look, you want to be healthy and you want to do all that stuff, but they can't see their accomplishments and the difference they've made in the world because they're like, oh, my arms are wobbly on the bottom. (laughs) I talked about that in my New Year's or end of the year letter to my people was really about, first of all, it's not new year, new you. That's fine as a concept, but really it sort of makes something wrong. And the idea of going into the new year for me is, yeah, there are things I want to leave behind, but I want to really check in with what went well. What can I bring with me? What characteristic did I develop or what thing did I overcome? And I think that any time of the year is a good practice, especially if we see ourselves slipping into that well, I don't want to do videos because I have wrinkles on my upper lip. This is me speaking. Right? <laughs> I just got to get over it. I don't spend a whole lot of time worrying about it. I'm not obsessed with it, but it is a thing there. And it is because of society. And now it's even worse because of social media. And everyone's got filters. I mean, I had a moment. I'm getting married in March for the first yeah, time. Good for and you. And we were very excited. And so my niece, my eldest niece, is going to be wearing the dress that I wore to her father's wedding. So it's so full circle. And then, and her sister is going to wear the dress she wore and it's all great. So this was, I mean, it was 17 years ago and I was like, Oh, I was giving it to her. And I was like, let me just try it one last time. Let me just make sure. And I just couldn't, I just couldn't zip it up. Like my rib cage has lived, that has nothing like, that's not weight. That's just gravity. My ribs have changed and I couldn't zip it up. And it was like, I had to go lay down. And what I realized was I was taking this moment of sort of feeling sorry for myself about this thing that doesn't fit anymore. And it was taking me out of being present with my family who live in Salt Lake. So I don't see them all the time. The, The joy of the fact that my niece is wearing this dress and her father, and we're all celebrating. And, you know, I have a dear friend who always says this, where I'm like, oh, I feel so old. She's like, well, better than the alternative. And I'm I like, say that I'm with you 100%. <laughs> Another year on this side is always a good day. Exactly. So I think that we're sort of trained to think that this stuff won't happen to us. A client of mine who's an actress is Patricia Heaton, and she's letting her hair go gray. And I'm like, amazing. She looks fantastic. And she's like, so focused on the charity work she's doing and all this other stuff. And it's like, it's just great. My best friend just let her hair grow gray. You know, it's, I think it's great. I think it's great. Yeah, my sister did. She has really nice salt and pepper. This is what I got. I mean, it's great. I'm not complaining. It's just that it's pretty white, but that's okay. (laughs) It's fantastic. (laughs) And so the other thing that I wanted to talk about is what kind of, what can you give the audience at large, some tips on how to know if they're getting past the point of, uh, I used to be uh, in this moderate zone, and now I'm sort of creeping over into the too many tchotchke zone. 
That, uh, that's great. So a couple things to pay attention to. Can you neaten up a room like your office or the kitchen in 20 minutes or less? Can you kind of put everything back in its homes? And let's say you got a call from a friend and they're like, oh, I'm running an errand and I have something I want to drop by. I could be there in 20 minutes. If you can, if it takes you more than 20 minutes to sort of put a room back together, that's a really good litmus test for the stuff is getting in the upper hand. <laughs> also, are you finding yourself not going into rooms? Like, is there a guest room mm. that you just don't even go into? Is there a garage you don't, you know, park your car in? Are there, you know, sort of start to pay attention. Like, how do you use your house? What's mm. working? Ultimately, our homes are a tool. They're a tool. I said this forever. They're a tool to rest us and replenish us and keep us warm. And so if it's not working, like if you find yourself ordering in or going out to dinner every night because the kitchen is just too many stuff, too much stuff on the counters, it's not working for you. So instead of sort of going to, I'm a bad housekeeper, I'm lazy, why is it not working? And most of the time it's because there's too much stuff. There was a little chatter on social media the other day about like, well, if you're a minimalist, you should only have this. You have too many bowls and coffee cups and you should only, and like in our house, there's two of us that drink coffee. We have eight coffee cups. You know, really we could get away with two, but we also live in California where there's a drought. So I only do dishes once a day. So we have more than one cup of coffee a day. So there are these rules, but then there's also what works for you. So I think it's, I think it's paying attention to how a room works. You know, do you find yourself sort of avoiding like, ugh, I can't, I don't go in there. I don't want to deal with that. Are you not putting your clothes away and getting dressed out of the laundry basket? There are a lot of tips. And I think the other thing as we age to remember, I get so many calls from people who are like, you know, my husband was just diagnosed with early Alzheimer's. Neurologically, we're starting to change less stuff is easier to manage. It's just easier. Like if you don't have a bunch of stuff, you're not moving it around, you're not fixing it. So as we get into the aging process, simplifying makes a lot of sense. It sure does. I hadn't thought of that. And I think too, when we started at the beginning of the call, the emotional, you always look at the emotional component, it sounds like, to why this is happening. And it must be harder as we age, our emotions are, I would say, more sensitive, let's say, as we like 70s, 80s, we may not be as resilient emotionally or, and so that may not be the time to try to get your parents or your whoever you're helping to start releasing some of these things that you're eventually going to have to deal with, because they may feel more like, this is all I have, right? This is me. These are these things are me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I do consult with people and there's some that you're like, just wait until they pass. This is going to be too hard. One of my all-time favorite New Yorker cartoons is there's an old man and a young man and they're facing a garage and the garage door is open and it's wall to wall to wall to wall stuff. And the man with the cane, the old man goes, the caption says, someday, son, this will all be yours. <laughs> so, you know, yes, sometimes that may be the case, but also sometimes... Um, I think it's interesting to realize with aging parents that they can't do what they used to do. So sometimes they need help 
Like that's a big part of the process. Oftentimes it's like, I just can't do it anymore. Mm. And you know, the value of having someone help you is you don't have to do the physical part. My team comes in and we hold things up and we put them in boxes and we move it around. So sometimes um, I see this a lot about people who want to downsize. You know, they're in their 70s, they're in their 80s. They're like, we need to move somewhere where we have a little more care. We don't want to deal with the yard anymore. But they literally are like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't Mm. know how to get from point A to point B. So it's in that downsizing process. If they can see that, then we can move you. And so I think you have to be sensitive to understanding what they're going through and and it's hard sometimes i've had so many clients who are downsizing them or someone's passed away and they're like there just goes my life you know yeah. which is why i mean we did this woman beautiful home her husband had just passed and she was like that was a trip that was a thing we did and but you know that why in this period in our life, our relationships are so much more important. It just so happened at the moment when she was seeing all this stuff go to the auction house, a friend of hers popped over and they were able to chat and you know, they raised their kids together. So I think in that we need to lean on that. Mm, that's a really great point. You do a lot of things on your services page. Let me just tell people <laughs> your website is the letter D, uh, the number, the letter D, clutterfly, like the creature.com. So declutterfly. If you're interested in using Tracy's services, uh, that's a great way to start. And you actually do a virtual decluttering. I do. Anywhere in the world. (laughs) Yep, I do. It's very successful. It tends to really lean into more accountability and helping someone come up with a work plan. But there were people have held things up and I'm like, go, stay, go, stay. So it definitely works. We so travel, I have a big enough team that I travel all over the country. So if a project is big enough, I also have referrals in other places. But yeah, we are still taking clients. We're busy. It's great. It's great. It is great. Fantastic team. Fantastic team. I'll bet. But just enough and not too many because that would sound like clutter. it's so funny i have clients who've been with me since day one i've been in business 16 years now and they're like i remember when it was just you and your station wagon i'm like oh "Oh, wow now did you grow up with this inclination to have sort of neat uncluttered spaces or is this something that you developed later no uh so Part of my story is I grew up with a parent who has hoarding disorder. My father has very, very, very severe hoarding disorder. So uh, control of my space was very important Mm. to me. And I also was on a journey where I saw his attachment. And now later in life, it's now I understand it's a disorder. The alcoholic doesn't choose the booze over the family, even though it feels that way. Right. So, and I also grew up with parents, with grandparents who were depression era and, you know, the famed yogurt cups and margarine tubs and rubber bands. Rubber bands and, and silver foil. And, yeah. <laughs> My grandparents were all farmers and sort of watching that with the depression era, then how it showed up in my dad. So it's always been there. I think growing up with my dad also made me realize no, it's not about the stuff. It's not mm. about the stuff. I've seen the extreme of it. And I, I do want to say to people, because I think a lot of people listening might be thinking this, 
hoarding disorder is usually something somebody's had for their whole life and it gets worse as emotional trauma happens, but it also can get worse with aging. Sometimes memory loss, sometimes physical, you can't do things. So if an older person is really being affected by their hoarding, it's worth it to take them to a doctor because oftentimes everybody gets so focused on the hoarding that they're sort of missing the cognitive decline. So if that's something that you're worried about in yourself or worried about in your parents, I would reach out to doctors. I would start to get some mental health or just go see your regular doctor because you know, it, it's not safe to live in that right. environment. It's not healthy. The mold, the silverfish, you know, the dust, it is something, but oftentimes in older people, they'll, hoarding disorder will come up and it's actually a sign of cognitive decline mm. as opposed to the disorder. Interesting. Interesting. And there is that program, that television program called Hoarders yes. or something, which gives yes. people a pretty, if you're not familiar with hoarding disorder, that's a pretty real view. And if that's something that somebody's worried about, they can go to my website and reach out to me. I have a lot of information about it. There's some books and some websites. And so if this is something that people are worried about, please, please feel free to reach out to me and I can kind of help them navigate it. That's great. That's really great. So Tracy, I just want to make another plug for your Make Space for Happiness book for everybody. It's a really easy read. The stories are great, as I said earlier on. And you might recognize yourself in one of the stories, the chapters that say like, oh, you know, let me just take a look. All of this in service of aging in full expression, as healthy as possible, living a life that feels good as opposed to feeling trapped or diminished in some way by stuff, right? Exactly. That, you know, one of the things, especially when we help people downsize, one of the greatest things they say is, I just want to be able to lock the door and go visit my grandkids for a week. I want to go take that cruise and not worry about all this stuff. So that's exactly that. It's overplayed at this point, but it's about living your best life. Yeah. And if you're bogged down with all this stuff, you're not. Really with people in our amazing this amazing period, like I just want you to have freedom. I mean, you have freedom and do what you want to do and not be managing the stuff or not be beholden to it. You know, now in, I think in, you know, post fifties, but sixties, like it's time to slow down the acquiring. And there's always so much more to acquire. Always. According to the marketers, <laughs> according to the marketers, we don't have enough yet. And I know that's another, I could get you going on that, but I won't in interest of time. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been really informative and fun. And uh, I'm really glad that our paths cross. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you so much for having me on. You're welcome. People, I'll be back next week with another fabulous guest. Before you go, peeps, I was just wondering if we are connected on social media. If not, let's do that. You can find me on Instagram at RebelWell50. Same on Twitter. Facebook, it's Rebellious Wellness Over 50. And hey, don't be a stranger. Comment. Let me know what you'd like to hear about on the podcast or what questions you have about aging better and living rebelliously. 